Today, my brother-in-law, emphasis on the brother part of that, Dan, joins me. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. Yeah. How's the coffee? The coffee is delicious. It's in one of the best mugs I could possibly drink it from. Yes. It's a Donald Trump mug. Oh. <laughs> if anybody's curious. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's huge. It's the best coffee we've ever had. I don't think Trump drinks coffee, though. No, probably Diet Coke. He drinks Diet Coke. Matter of fact, he's probably uh, nursing a Diet Coke right now, waiting on KFC to arrive. Yeah. Or <laughs> McDonald's. Filet of fish, yeah. Yeah, filet of fish. I heard he likes to, uh, Nathan was telling me he eats, he likes well-done steaks with ketchup. <laughs> My mug is really special to me. It's one that you and Riz got me. Right after little, little honey, baby on yeah, there. Right after little honey was born in 2016, there she is, and it it just is one of my favorite mugs. Yeah, it's a good one. Thank you for having me on. Oh man, absolutely. Thank you. We want to give a shout out to Riz for making us. What what kind of cookies did she make that we're enjoying here? It's like a peanut butter Hershey Kiss cookie. Uh, There's probably some name I just don't know what it is, but sugar and peanut butter yeah. and chocolate. This is the best way to have coffee. Not have anything in your coffee, but have something with your coffee. With it, yes. Because you, you know, you chew the cookie and put cookie all in your teeth, and then wash it down with coffee. It's <laughs> there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's the best way to accompany coffee. Yeah. Something sweet. A lot of modern podcasters, I don't, they don't really eat or drink on their podcast. I don't. I've always been drinking ever since I got on this podcast. Mostly coffee, sometimes water occasionally occasionally like um tea i don't drink i used to drink coke i don't anymore it tastes like hairspray since i got covid oh that's how it is for marissa too it tastes like something even worse for marissa yeah so um so i drink root beer dr pepper all of that but i i noticed a lot of the podcasts i would listen to kind of in our network after I got on, started doing my podcast, drinking coffee, I noticed all of them started, I'm not going to say any names, but I heard a lot of them, they're drinking coffee while they're making podcasts. So I'm like, hey. Trendsetter. I, well, yeah. It yeah. gets the mind moving. It really does. I guess. And, uh, you know, a lot of our talking, just as people, happens with coffee. You know, when you're in the pulpit, uh, guys have water, right? <laughs> Maybe some guys bring coffee to the pulpit. I wouldn't be surprised. They got a little table to stand behind and got their coffee mug up there. Yeah, and, and so and we're eating on this podcast, and I'm sure the other people, knowing no my listeners, they're probably all eating something too while they're listening to this on Christmas week. <laughs> eating everything. <laughs> it's the week of the Christmas and, cookie. Yeah, it is the week of uh, of Christmas cookie. So, what is your go to Christmas cookie? My go to Christmas cookie. Hmm. Chocolate chip. Oh, wow. I like any cookie that's soft with no nuts. But I'll, uh, I'll eat just about. I'm not a fan really of like raisins and cookies, but I'll eat them. What about the classic frosted Christmas oh, like, yeah. sugar, sugar cookie? Love them. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, I'm definitely in the Christmas spirit. I have been. We've had actually had our tree up. Uh, we put our tree up Halloween night. Beautiful. I'm on board with that. Christmas is a season. It's not a day or a week. It's a, it's season. a season. It'll probably stay up until 
goodness, I don't know, Valentine's Day. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Some people do that. Some people leave their pumpkins up. I, th- I think it was uh, Larry the Cable Guy. They're just said, asking for somebody to come by and smash yeah. it. Yeah. Larry the Cable Guy said, I know when it's spring when the, my pumpkins on the porch start to stink. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, man, this is, uh, I'm excited about this Christmas. I've been anticipating it. Uh, Kansas City is beautiful. Uh, a lot of great uh, Christmas displays out here. Been able to take the kids to a lot of fun things. Something I saw in the news, though, is there's supposed to be a comet coming. You see that? I did. And it's Christmas comet. It's the Christmas comet. And it's, you know, pretty interesting that it's happening on Christmas Day. And I guess it's going to be on the uh, western horizon on Christmas Day. So I remember one year ago. We were sitting out, sitting out in the parking lot. I think it was last Christmas. It was around Christmas time. Sitting in the parking lot of that bank, looking at Mars and Jupiter when they had aligned. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I think that was called the Christmas Star. And yeah, we we had just got back from Wisconsin, so we we still had our rental and everything. Yeah, we like went straight to that parking lot to go look at that star at That's about what they sunset. Say. And that was beautiful. And I, I have noticed there has been some bright lights in the sky recently. I don't know if it's the, the coming of winter, but just really super clear skies. You probably know what they are. They're probably planets, but it's, it's to the north and it's to the east. Saturn and Jupiter have been bright. Very bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for years... I kind of always imagine the light in the sky, the star that the wise men, the magi, saw was actually angels, or an angel. Because uh, there's a place in Revelation that speaks about angels being called stars. It's like the spiritual, heavenly name for them, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But about, I don't know, 10 years ago, Jason Atkins told me about this documentary that was released by this guy who was, I think he was a, a professional, like an attorney or a doctor or something. And he got a hold of this software on his computer and he, it, it was a software that mathematically mapped out the cosmos where all the constellations were, their patterns, all of that. And he mapped it 2000 years ago to the birth time of Christ and showed that. Jupiter and Saturn, I think. I have to look it up. Both aligned, like we saw. And it appeared in the star constellation Leo, which is the constellation for the king. And those magi who interpret all of that stuff said that's the star of David, and it's born, or, and, it's, and it's appearing there in Leo. That means, and I guess lion. that... Lion. Isn't that definitely... Yeah, the lion. A lion means a king. Yeah. So they thought this is the sign that we have been waiting for. And they were probably this uh, spiritual descendants of Daniel there in the east. And so they journeyed to Jerusalem. They didn't arrive, you know, when Jesus was a baby. Right. He was a little bit older. And they said this is the sign we've been looking for based upon a prophecy in Numbers that a star would arise out of Israel. So 
That's why this comet's kind of got my attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to get up to see it. So Christmas morning? Yeah. Christmas morning. It's not Santa's sleigh. Huh. No. Although I'm sure probably some people are going to mistake that for that. But it is interesting. It, it, the signs from the sky really got my attention when the blood moons happened. You remember all that? Mm-hmm. We had a, a huge moon last, this is past week. The, and the moon was like a salmon pink color. It yeah. was huge. It was super close to the earth. I love that. I love that. That's such a beautiful sight. And we got a glimpse at the other side of the moon recently. Yes. I saw a picture of that. It was like a picture. Yeah. What, what was it? Somebody stuck a satellite up there? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I've been praying, thinking, meditating about this comet coming up. Is it, is it a sign for anything? I know this comets are not signs for anything good. They're usually signs war is coming. That's usually when they appear or some type of catastrophe mm. is coming. Remember last year, Neowise? We, we never saw it here. One Wednesday night, I walked outside and thought I saw it. Mm-hmm. Adam Lampley, I had him take a video. Oh, wow. And as I was looking at it, I, I realized it's not a comet. It's a plane. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's easy. There's so many planes up there now and... If you have a really super clear night, it's satellites that you can see moving through the sky. Yeah. There's drones, people taking videos of their Christmas lights from, from up above. There's drones everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see those satellites going through the sky, so. I was just going to say, when I was out camping in the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming, you can see almost the entirety of the, the, the Milky Way from one horizon all the way up across the sky. To the other, other, other part. And it's just so dark and it's so, you know, you're way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there's so much that you can see. You, you had no idea. I had no idea there were so many satellites moving in, in, in one general area. It's crazy. Or you could see the satellites. Oh, yeah. You can see them moving steadily across the sky. It was so cool. Could you see like stars look like different colors? Like some that are white, yeah, some orange, was, blue, purple? You can. That was what was crazy. And you can see... The, the Milky Way has like a fog to it almost when you're looking at it from the Earth, I guess. That'd be a weird way of saying it. But from our perspective, it has, a, it has like a fog to it almost. It's not like a... I'm not big into looking is into the dust? skies. I don't know. It, I think it's just the concentration of all that's in that constellation of mm-hmm. stars and whatever else is in there. But it was beautiful. You can, it was like a standing underneath a rainbow and it goes from one side all the way that you can be on the left all the way to your right. Horizon to horizon. Man. Incredible. It makes that scripture, God says to Abraham, I'll make your descendants like the stars of the heaven really come to life. Because when you, when you get out there like that, it's been a few years since I've seen a starry sky like that. Mm. But yeah, you can't count them. Oh, you yeah. start, you just, because lights just, stars keep popping up. And you think you got them and they keep popping up. They're yeah. everywhere. And I'm sure Abraham had a similar perspective. There wasn't all this reflective light from a big city nearby or anything like that so i'm sure he had a pretty clear view of what was going on up in the the sky Mm -hmm. i even like to think that um when god said the stars of heaven and the sand of the earth he's talking about two descendants for abraham number one it's the the natural which would be the sand of the sea and secondly the sky the stars would be the spiritual seed of abraham which is us wow the, the engrafted church that's, that's speculative out there. I've never heard that before. Yeah, as, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, the sky's going to do weird things. You know, Jesus said when, 
when the Son of Man comes, there will appear, appear in the sky the sign of the Son of Man. You know, there's a lot of questions. What, what is that sign? I think it's clouds, but spiritual clouds. It's going to be the saints and the angels that are ready to descend upon the earth. That's what I think it is. Mm. So, uh, A few years ago, I was over at your house for Christmas, and I was looking at the tree, admiring the ornaments. And I look kind of in the middle towards the back, and I'm like, what in the world is that? I looked and I looked closer and I I really I was looking at a pickle. Yeah. I thought, my goodness, did, did one of Dan's girls dig a pickle out of the jar and stick it in the tree? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like the one thing that does not fit on the tree of all the decorations that Marissa puts right. up there. The pickle doesn't fit. It's not a real pickle. It's not a real pickle. It's an ornament, but it is. All right. What's the story on the pickle? So I grew up in Milwaukee. I'm trying to really tone down my Wisconsin accent. So, oh no, man, let um, it go. So, uh, yeah, the pickle <laughs> is a Milwaukee thing. Yes. So, I think it, the roots actually go back to um, either Polish or German. I think it's German. Milwaukee is a huge concentration of Germans and Polish people. And what would, what they would do is they would they would put a pickle on an ornament. Not they would put a pickle, like an actual pickle, back in the day. Tie a string on it. Put it on the tree, a pickle because it blends in with the rest of the tree. The kids come down, they look for this pickle, and the the person who finds the pickle first opens the first present. No. So I think that's the history behind it. That's could be true, could be false. That's what it was told to me. So that's what was carried on to our family. We've always had a pickle ornament on the tree. We've always moved it around. It's always moving. It's always. Somewhere. I love that. Yeah, that makes sense. So. We have fun with it. I'll have to look that up. We like up. to carry up, carry on those traditions. That's something my, my parents always did, their parents did. So, we're doing it now. That has to be true. Why else would you put a pickle in the tree? You know, because they they would have tinsel and all other kinds of decor. And the Christmas tree originated in Germany. Did it? I think it did. Because I was in I pulled up to Caribou Drive Through about two weeks ago, and they had that. Who was the first nation to start the Christmas tree? And I, I don't know. I just thought Germany's got to be it. It, they had on there like Switzerland, Germany, France, and England. And I just thought, you know, a lot of the older stuff, you know, Germany really influenced Europe after the fall of the Roman Empire. It was like, uh, you know, one of the first civilizations to really progress. So I said Germany, mm. and I got it right. Chris so that, Kringle, that's a, I think Chris Kringle's 2K is, sounds like a German kind of thing. I think he was. Think I have to look that up, too. I, t- I told you, <laughs> you start these podcasts, you get to talk about stuff, you're like, you got to look it up, because your mind just kind of, your stream of conscious just kind of goes. You know, something about Santa Claus, Union Station, they've got all the trains down there, all that, it's really cool looking, so nice. When you go around back and they let you tour some of the old train boxcars, and inside of those boxcars, they have antique Santa figurines and elves and all kinds of things from the late 1800s. What's interesting is Santa doesn't wear a big red suit in the late 1800s. He wears all black with a, like deep purple highlights. Really? Mm-hmm. I wonder where that came from then. I don't know, but he looks like a wizard in a lot of those. Of course, you know those figurines, the eyes of all of them look, they all look demon-possessed. <laughs> and, yeah. And all of them. They're creepy. They, they are very creepy. They all have very flushed faces too Mm -hmm. their cheeks but he santa looks really magical Mm. in in all black 
you know, with a big, big sack, a big hat. I've never seen that either. It, well, next time you go, it, go back there and look at, and look at uh, all those train cars. It is neat to see figurines you know, that are that old. Mm. That is cool. It's just neat to see what Christmas looked like to artists, you know, f- figurine makers, mm. uh, things like that. Well, that's kind of a neat tradition. What do you guys do? What do you have? Any ornament on the tree that we got a um, tradition? What do you have for family traditions? Uh, we Christmas? make ornaments. We have the kids do handprint ornaments and stuff. We got um, these little glass ornaments that have their, um, like, you know, when the baby's at the hospital, the newborn, they give them a little hat, little socks. It's got that in there. Like memories. Little memories, Mementos. pictures. Mm-hmm, things like that. Some ornaments that are gifts. Yeah. It's cool. One thing that I'm thinking about is, and I'm sure you guys do this, I think everybody does this nowadays, you give gifts to a certain individual and you put their name on the present. Unless it's a secret Santa. But then, then again, when it's your turn, you're like, hey, I got you know Bob over here. Merry Christmas. But okay, so in, in old Germany, the first kid to get the pickle got to open the present. It's as if there were no names on the gifts. Yeah, that's what's kind of weird. Like they just had a pile of presents and they just picked one? I don't know. Maybe they had a sign. Maybe it was one present for each kid. Okay. Like, mom and dad, and they just picked their own. I don't know. Yeah, it's like whatever you open, that's what you get. That's your present. The, uh, the movie The Christmas Story, they have to decide who opens the gift first. There is no, like, this one's for Ralphie, this one's for Andy, except, except the, the BB gun there at the end. But they just kind of open it up. One, one kid opens up the, the bunny suit and... <laughs> Another one gets the like the blimp looking thing. I'd be curious to know what different families do and how they open up the gifts. Because I've been part of gift opening where everybody watches one person go. Everybody opens up their own present one at a time. Everybody watch every present being opened. And it takes like two hours. I've been part of that. I've also seen everybody ripping into a gift at the same time. And it's madness. I'd be interested to know how many people do it one way, how many people do it the other way. I don't, yeah. I don't have necessarily a preference one, over the, one way over the other. Uh, I like to appreciate a gift that's been given to me. So I want to give them, you know, whoever got it for me, I want to say thank you. And I want their attention to, you know, not have to like yell across the room while all this craziness is going on. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the one at a time thing. Maybe you want to see somebody open the gift you give them. There's a little bit more of a of a atmosphere of thankfulness when that's done. Definitely. Just crazy. It brings the family together. You can feel love, you know, coming out of everybody's heart for everybody, especially the children. You know, they, they start open up their gifts. Yeah. I like the one at a time thing. And I I like the name tag, Mm -hmm. but it, it just, it makes me wonder. And I'm thinking about this now, like on home alone, definitely the second one when they walk in and, Duncan's toy chest guy surprises them with all them presents. There's no names on them. Right. They're just tearing into random gifts. It probably comes from like this, the Santa thing. Santa never named anything for any kid. He just has a bunch of toys and drops them under the tree. Maybe, maybe that's why parents, everybody never put names on the gifts. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever you open. That's what it is. Maybe <laughs> you could do uh, a swap. <laughs> right. <laughs> One year. I did not want this pink sweater. It's not my size. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Here you go, sis. So in Wisconsin, you remember some yeah. big big snows growing up? Oh, yes. You guys always had a white Christmas. 
I assume. Most, yes. I would say the Probably majority. have white Thanksgivings. Yes. White thanks. Halloweens. At, on Thanksgiving, I remember <laughs> playing football in the front yard in the snow. I remember I having, too. I have a birthday in late April. I remember driving through a snowstorm in late April, going to an arcade. Mm. Uh, dangerous conditions, too. Do. Yes, the first, the first, first winter that Marissa really got to experience after moving to Wisconsin after we got married, we went from Cancun to Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we had, I think, three weeks straight of below zero weather. Mm. Three weeks straight. See, they start piling up snow. Oh, yeah. Snow just doesn't go away. It really doesn't go away. It just turns tan and brown. And then you got brown snow from Beautiful. from all this. So when you're shoveling, did you guys do the snowblower thing or shovels? So when when I lived there, we were renters, so thankfully didn't have to do the snow removal. However, I do have a funny story that people that lived underneath us, also renters, didn't really know what they were doing either. I, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I knew how to get rid of snow if I had to. But I see this guy, his car is stuck in the driveway, and he goes into, this is like, I'm leaving for work at 6 a.m. in the morning, heading to the hospital. He's just coming back from whatever he was doing the night before. And his car is stuck in the driveway, and I can't get out unless he moves his car. We had a shared driveway. And he goes into the garage and takes a bag of what he thinks is salt, like to melt the ice and give, him, give his car some traction. And he, little does he know, it's a bag of topsoil. He's <laughs> just dumping all over the snow. Oh, man. Needless to say, I just, told, I just pushed him out so I could get That's out. That's not going to help. Not helped. No, topsoil doesn't help in the snow. So when, you're, yeah, so when you were like a kid, do you remember snow? Did you, guys, did you guys have a snowblower or did you do shovels as a little kid? Yeah, shovels. Shovels. And my grandpa, he had a snowplow in the front of his Jeep. Okay. Grandpa would come and plow up the driveway. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Okay, would, it, would snow be like piled up like oh, yeah. six feet high? In some places, yeah. He, he just push it into one spot. Instant king of the hill playground. <laughs> Man, does that sound like fun. I always remember having uh, snow every Thanksgiving back in the 90s. The tsunamis, though, uh, in the early 2000s, ever since the, the tsunamis, you're lucky to get a white Christmas. You're lucky to get a white uh, Valentine's Day. Mm. But it snows a lot on Easter. <laughs> Yeah. And it's cold in Easter, but it used to never be that way. Like winter would start wrapping up, be done by St. Patrick's Day. It'd be, it'd be it'd be in the upper 60s, low 70s St. Patrick's Day, not anymore. Yeah, I'm grateful to be here in Missouri and Kansas City where the winter is yeah. quite a bit shorter. I don't miss the cold really at all. But the sky and weather's doing strange things. I mean, what are these tornadoes? I've ne- I can never remember tornadoes coming into America mm. in, in the wintertime. Oh, yeah. When did, the, when did the Joplin tornado come through? That must have been in the fall. Maybe it was in the spring. I don't even remember. I don't either. It, it, was it either wasn't sp- in the winter, though. It was either spring or summer. I think I remember. Man, that was, that was a mess. So tornado season is, is in the summer, right? Normally? Uh, spring and f- mostly spring. Okay. Sometimes fall. Hurricanes come in the fall. But around here, I, I just don't remember them happening in, de- in December. 
But you get weird air coming from the west off the Rockies and then hot air from the Gulf. Uh, odd wind comes through the mid part of America. So yeah, it's just devastating. Those tornado shelters, it's a lot of the houses in the Midwest have these sturdy, sturdy basements. You can just go and hide in a corner. Mm. Have you ever been caught in a tornado? No. <clears throat> I've only seen one. And it happened on a Wednesday night. It was uh, summer of 2015. And church was supposed to start at 7. And I started getting texts about 6.15. And there I was saying, Brother Justin, are you seeing what is going on outside? You know, And I hadn't been outside since like 10 a.m. Been in, inside the church in the office. So I go and look outside at the northern sky, and it looked like the black cloud of death coming from the north down to us. I mean, it was just like moving, and I swear I saw the face of a skull in it. It was, woof. And people started arriving at church for like music practice, youth and stuff. And about 6.30, our phones started going off. Tornado warning, tornado warning. So I talked to Danny Torres, some of the other you know, guys that are wise and that stuff, and they said, yeah, we got to cancel church. There is no way. So we got up and, you know, hollered to everybody in, in the sound system saying, there's tornado warnings, there's a storm coming here, the safest place is the baptistry. Please make your way there. I thought everybody would be piling in there. No, maybe two people went in there and everybody else went outside. <laughs> Nobody takes shelter anymore. Everybody they wants to go. See it. Oh, I walk out there. There's like 150 people out there on the hill with their phones out. I'm like, all right, every man for himself. Oh, so wow. I started going around the church and just making sure no children were in the side classrooms by glass. And when I finally come around uh, at the midway point to the prayer room, which faces the north, and there's all glass windows there. I can see the storm coming. And you know who's there praying? Joy Sims. Mm. And I mean, she is interceding and travailing against that thing. Wow. And I watched a, the funnel cloud come down. Mm. But I watched her pointing her fingers against it. And I started praying against it, pointing my finger. And I saw that tornado that was coming right down right for us. It shot right back up into the sky and blew eastward. Mm. So... I, I I saw the Holy Ghost move a storm. Yeah, even the sea and the that, winds yeah. obey him. They do. Oh. They sure do. It's so incredible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. The sky and storms do strange things and they're gonna keep on getting weirder. Uh as the Lord comes back, we're gonna just see odd things. Sounds like our world that we're living in. Yeah, the weather is mimicking, you know, what's happening. So, yeah, we were in Israel together. You remember going to Bethlehem? Yes, I do. What do you re- What do you remember about it? I remember all the the black water tanks on top of the buildings. I remember that our tour guide told us that's how you can tell an Arab neighborhood from a Jewish one. The Arabs had black had black water tanks on top of yep. their buildings, and the Jewish had white. You know, we grew up here in America. When you think of the Christmas story where Jesus was and stuff, it's different. It mm. wasn't like a little stable, like a little farm, like a little house on the prairie. No. Where, where it was 
Yeah. It was this winding little cave underground. It's a cave. There was, if I remember correctly, an opening to the air where you could kind of see out a little bit. But it was small. It was confined. It was yeah. not what you would, not exactly where you would hold a, a welcoming party for a, a baby, let alone a, a king. No. But that's where shepherds took their sheep in that time of the year. They took them in caves, you know, to lay down for the evening. And there's little caves like that all throughout the, the hills of Bethlehem where, mm-hmm. where David would have grown up, where he would have kept his sheep. So the Tower of Bethlehem, uh, I've, I've read and heard that the Tower of Bethlehem was one of the, the places where they would have swaddling clothes. When the angel said that the baby would be born wrapped in swaddling clothes, the angels knew right where to go. Because there's only pl- one place in, in Bethlehem where they would find the shepherds. swaddling. Yes. Shepherds knew where, right where to go. There would have been hundreds of those yeah. sort of things where you could find a, a manger where a- animals would be. There's only one place where they would find the swaddling clothes of where a lamb would have been wrapped. Right. Bethlehem was the place they uh, raised the sheep for sacrifices in the temple. So whenever that sheep was born, they would wrap it in swaddling clothes and uh, anoint its head with oil to keep flies away away from it. So it was Uh, wrapped to preserve it so it would be unblemished. Yes. So they, how Mary had Jesus was how they treated little lambs. He was, since he was the lamb of God. Exactly. Come to take away the sins of the world. Already starting right there. So it wasn't like God was saying, okay, I have to come as a peasant. I ha- Although Mary and Joseph were peasants. <laughs> it wasn't like, uh, and I want to come so poor. Although he did become poor, but really it was fulfilling what he was as a sacrificial lamb. That's why he was born that way, to fulfill the typology. You know, then he's up on a cross. Very intentional. And so you have all that imagery. But yeah, that, that Christmas, that first Christmas, no Christmas trees, no gifts. The wise men weren't there yet. It was angels, shepherds, all of that in a, a cooler evening up in those little hills, one of those caves. That's where it all began. That's mm. just something. And fulfilling prophecy about Bethlehem being the place. What a very humble beginning. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, that is neat. And, and when we go there, you know, you, we got to sing Silent Night there in that cave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you were a pediatric nurse. It was your first career. Yeah. Still, uh, I still consider myself pediatric nurse. Okay. I've kept up my credentials just so I can say I'm a pediatric yeah. nurse. Ten years. Yeah. But you're, you, you don't really work with children now no. in the hospital now. You mostly work with doctors and their equipment. Between you and your company. Yeah, their their software. The yes. software mm-hmm. right there. Let me ask you this. So you know, a lot of young parents listen to this, and viruses are everywhere right now. You don't even know what's out there now. Is it is it cold? Is it COVID? Is it Delta? Is it the Omicron or whatever? All this stuff right now, and you took care of kids. What was something you guys were doing to really help kids get off the cold quick? 
Um, or did you get? Or are you guys back then even saying, "Just go home. There's nothing we can do for you." Well, thankfully, I didn't. I didn't work in the ER. Which ER have another one. Staff, these God bless their hearts. They they saw like the worst, the mm, worst of situations. Yeah. You know, people come in, bring their children in if they have a common cold. That's very common, actually. Um, they don't stay there very long in the ER, but uh, and you just hydrate and you just have to. You have to boost that Im- immune system the best that you can. Kids, kids are are really finicky. They they are just wanting to control every situation. You tell them you need to drink some water. The last thing they're gonna do is drink some water. They're gonna do it. It's like a psychological game a lot of times. Being a nurse mm-hmm. for with kids, endless stories. I love. I think kids are the easiest patients in the respect that uh, you don't have to deal with these adults are just different these kids are these kids are just they're super resilient they just power through their illnesses their sicknesses and they do they just life is keep normal playing. Yes. keep having fun yeah a lot of times it was dealing with the parents that was the bigger challenge no oh. the parents dealing with the illness of their children which you have kids you know how that is you oh i do you carry that burden of their sickness as a parent yes and so uh, I, I really value my seven, seven years of being a pediatric nurse in Wisconsin and here in Kansas City, mm-hmm. Children's Mercy, working. My last two years were in sports medicine, which was even, even more cool because they were athletes, student athletes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's special. It's special being able to. I always wanted to do healthcare. I always wanted to be in healthcare in some manner. I didn't really know how when I first got into college, but it kind of, the path just led to nursing and I don't regret it at all. It was, it was an amazing mm-hmm. ride. That's yeah, great. And so career. now I work in uh, healthcare IT, mm-hmm. helping, helping write the software that doctors use to chart on their patients every day. So. Absolutely. So you said hydration is crucial. Yes. Everybody knows that. You got to stay hydrated. But why is it that a hydrated body is like a virus fear a hydrated body or it's just a hydrated body can uh, recover and heal itself and drive that virus out? I don't have the science to like give you like the, the cellular, but you probably heard that the human body is two-thirds water. Right. And, and to properly like fuel your body with what it actually is composed of you need to overhydrate. hydration will flush your system uh mm. i'll have to look up and give you a more scientific answer but your body just needs water purges toxins mm-hmm. unless you get some sort of some sort of problem with your kidneys like you then water's not always advised but you yeah you want to flush out your system you just want to overhydrate. because mm-hmm. the water you know the germs, the viruses, they, uh, I don't want to get scientific. I, I wouldn't be able to give you the scientific cellular. But every doctor, every nurse is saying that to, to parents, to kids, drink some water. Yes. Get hydrated. Get hydrated. Uh, get we, your rest. Uh, somebody, somebody in the church even was texting me earlier, asking for prayer. They thought they had appendicitis. But they went and got checked out, and they said, no, you just have a severe viral infection. Mm. I've never heard of a viral infection feeling like appendicitis. 
Wow. I mean, there are some viruses out there. We are in, in the age where uh, microscopic things are destroying lives. It is great. All of this, all this COVID stuff uh, for microscopic uh, microbes. Is that the word for it? Microbes. Yeah. yeah. All of this for little microbes. You know? It's and amazing. You can get hit by a car and survive. And then this tiny little thing, like a virus or a germ, can work its way into your body and cause oh my God. all sorts of problems. But the doctor said, uh, just water and rest. Send him home. Water and rest. So yeah, water's powerful. So, and then, uh, did you guys ever like give kids vitamin C? Dude. No, not in, I worked in, in the, in acute care after surgeries. So it wasn't okay. giving them the proper like nutrition wasn't our biggest, our biggest focus. We were just trying to get them back out the door, get them healthy. And in terms of being able to function off after a, a surgery, mm-hmm. but yeah, vitamin C immune boost, immune booster, vitamin D zinc. Those things are all awesome. I started getting on that stuff. You know, it's funny, interesting, spiritual, whatever. I was going back in my journal. Actually, not a journal. I more so call it an idea book, a notebook. I wrote down, this was in May of 2019. I wrote down, I don't know what it is, but something is coming in 2020. I just wrote it down, just jotted it down and kept going about other things. And was and was writing about a podcast and stuff, dreams of a podcast. That a lot of 2018, 2019, I was writing down ideas, you know, that I would have that I probably never bring to the pulpit, but a podcast. And I wrote in there, I don't know what it is. Something's coming 2020. And then in August, I wrote down this morning. I felt the Holy Ghost tell me to boost my immune system, and I just wrote it down, and I forgot about. It. Well, I went back and was reading old stuff. You know, going back looking for ideas, you know, maybe something we haven't covered, bring something fresh, you know, for the, for the listeners. And I saw the boost the immune system. This was back in September. And I thought the Lord spoke that to me and I never did it. So I went out and got what you just said, vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc and started taking it. And I feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. Just those little supplements, those little pills. It's amazing. It's amazing how the human body functions. <clears throat> and drinking water. Right. I went and got a half gallon jug. I've been drinking water. <laughs> and it's something you start craving it. Like, I don't really want a whole lot of coffee. Well, yeah, I do. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm drinking more water, you know, and I feel better uh, with it. So it's essential. So let me ask you this. Do you think microbes know that, you, that we have the Holy Ghost or not? Mm. Man. That's a good question. Mm. <laughs> we go from pickles in the Christmas tree to this. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if they uh, build up. I wonder if the Holy Ghost is causing some built up resistance to antibiotics. Virus or bacteria mm. that's resistant to antibiotics isn't becoming resistant to yeah. the Holy Ghost. I believe in divine health. I believe you can be so healthy that God protects you from those things. Sure, I do. But I still feel, I feel more power, like Holy Ghost power. I, I didn't feel any Holy Ghost power over COVID-19. 
Like I prayed and prayed and prayed over people that got it. Nothing. When I got it, I prayed and prayed. No, I had to recover from it. I wasn't healed from it. I had to recover from it. Mm-hmm. Delta and Omicron, when I pray about it, I feel an authority come on me. Lord, I, f- I feel like I'm getting somewhere, you know, with it. And it just hit me the other day and I wrote it down. <laughs> Do microbes care if we have the Holy Ghost or not? Does it, are they... Do they have to submit to it? I don't think they do. I, 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 they don't care if you're a person of faith or not. They don't care if you're good or bad. A truth teller, a liar, a thief, an honest person. That What ethnicity you are, your yeah. gender, they don't care. When you rephrase it like that, yeah, I agree. They Sorry, I should they, they don't care. Absolutely not. Sorry, man, I don't always give the details what I'm thinking that I should. Yeah, they don't care. No. It doesn't matter. So yeah, we need to be be boosting our immune systems. And, and, Drink your water. Take your vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And, you, and D and zinc. D and zinc. Now, I'm not a religious vitamin taker. I'm probably, I'm like a healthcare worker that doesn't necessarily do everything that I say. <laughs> don't drink enough water. I don't take enough vitamins. But... You know, that's what I've, that's what the textbooks say. And I'm on elderberry. And, uh, I even went so far as to get, cause you know, we got a new baby in the house. I'm trying to stay as healthy as I can, trying to stay as healthy as I can. But I even think microbes don't care if you're healthy or not. They're going to get, get you. <laughs> it's like they're after, it's like you learn when you ever, you start taking care of your lawn, you get a green lawn, you realize bugs like nicer lawns than bad lawns right so you got bugs all running that to delicious your, grass yeah they want delicious grass so i think viruses are like ooh, healthy body let me have that they want a healthy speaking of body. your lawn it was looking really good this fall oh thank you yeah it stayed green it's green yeah luscious grass yeah we, didn't have dandelions popping up no it's no longer dandelion farms it was da- a t- attack of the dandelions in the yard my lawn used to look like a salad bar, bro. Yeah, I remember you saying, if it's green, you can just grow. I didn't, for years, man, I just, my philosophy was, I don't care what grows in the yard, just so long as it's green. Yeah. But now there's, there was mushrooms in it, and onions, and radishes, and alfalfa sprouts, and everything. <laughs> and I was looking, I thought, I got to do something, because my neighbors were starting to look at me, and, and you know, you got to keep up with the Joneses. But something in me just snapped, and I said, I, I want a nice lawn and I turned into Mr. McGregor. Well, I tell you what, that that time when you came over to the house and took care of that creeping Charlie that was in in my backyard Ooh. in that corner, you just torched that stuff and And I did. Man, the lawn the lawn recovered from it. It yeah. left a big bare spot, but it recovered. Yeah, the the it used to be weeds you had to pull them. And it was just oh, but nowadays they make these chemicals, you spray it won't harm your grass but it kills off the weed and it's great at keeping a well manicured lawn you know but yeah you'll attract bugs and then you got to spray bug killer down but i think health you know i'm just bringing this up because i you know with your profession and stuff but there's just something inside of me that is just saying i'm being reminded what god spoke in the summer of 2019 build that immune system and that's done through sleep, water, eat clean, and supplement. Yeah. 
yeah, you can really, it's really easy. Yeah. It's really Because I worry about kids, man. One of the biggest fears I had when lockdown first came is, oh my God, the kids, the kids are going to have to be afraid to breathe air for the rest of their life. Yeah, but the kids kind of helped us all get through this. And the kid, no, I didn't, you know, like a church would start, we'd all be walking in kind of like, you know, kids run, running, laughing, talking, excited to be at They're church. They're resilient. They, yeah. Faith they, like a child. Yeah. They might be clueless, but they're, yeah, faith mm-hmm. like a child. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I had this splitting headache today, uh, this afternoon, and, and it started after lunch, but I had this, he- this afternoon headache all day long. Marissa got the girls together and she said, our girls, we're going to pray for Dada. And Marigold and Rosemary mm-hmm. come lay their hands on my head and they prayed. And it was just a matter of minutes before my headache was gone. Mm. Praise God. That is faith like a Jesus. child. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In action. It's real. Do you think it might have been Omicron? <laughs> no. I wouldn't be here if I did. Okay. Well, yeah, that's true. But as soon as I start Come infiltrate your castle. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't seem like immunity has changed much, like how to develop an, a good immune system has changed much. But I remember when our first child was born, learning how to do CPR. You know, they, they say you put the kid on the back, pinch the nose, breathe into him, and then start, uh, you know, pushing on their chest. I don't know what you call that. Compressions. Compressions. After we had the second baby. I got a new thing, and it totally changed. Changed. Yeah. You don't breathe into their mouth anymore. Yeah. Circulation first now. So, yeah, do the compressions. And then when you breathe in, uh, don't breathe in the mouth. Breathe in the nose, I think is what I saw. And you want to tilt their head back. Still want to blow, blow air into their mouth, but, yeah, you okay, got to open mouth. up that airway. Compression first. Mm-hmm. Then breathe in the mouth. Yeah, they they want to make sure that you're circulating the blood as best as possible. Okay. Starting first, because I think think one of the rationale behind it was people were losing too much time trying to worry about getting a breath into a... A, not, a, a child that's not breathing mm. when they should just get to the compressions right away. So for like a toddler, how many compressions? So like for a toddler, you're just going to be using like two fingers like, and just going after it. How so many times? It's 30. 30, 30, yeah. 30. Mm-hmm. 30 and then two breaths and then doing it again. Okay. Choking. Mm-hmm. You don't do a Heimlich maneuver on a toddler or an... So yeah. like an infant, you're doing back slaps where you're right. kind of cradling the head and hitting the back with your, your other, the palm of your hand. Um, yeah. Pray to God that you'll never have to use that information. Yeah, but you just never know. You know, a dime can fall out of your pocket. Easy. Something. Uh, you got a lot of candy lying around now. A, peanut or a little chocolate could fall oh. roll on the floor and bro in the in the hospital where i worked there we had i probably had three or four patients that had swallowed weird things and had to have surgery to take them out mm. one toddler had swallowed a needle like a oh. sewing needle and i saw in the x-ray it's lodged in her mm. <laughs> lodged in her Poor esophagus kid. i know i saw a mr potato pin 
you'd like stick on a shirt or a, a hat. Saw that on an x-ray. Man. You know those like weird Mr. Potato. Squeed, wow. You know those weird rubber uh they're like balls that you would put in the, the washer or the dryer to help like soften yeah. up the material or whatever when it's drying. <laughs> One kid had swallowed oh. three of those. Three of those in his stomach. Oh. Yeah. Poor little kid. Oh man, stuff happens. I know you've seen some stuff, man. Why do you think <clears throat> you know COVID hit America in the early spring of 2020. Then Delta came this summer, right? But I remember COVID really spiked here in the Midwest in late summer, early fall last year. That's when I got it. And this year, Delta came in late spring, early summer, but then this Omicron is now happening in late fall, early winter, even earlier than that. Why do you think viruses do that? I Because th- uh, when I think viruses, I think wintertime, but they're, they're coming in the spring and summer now. Yeah, that's what was really scary about COVID. The, like when it hit in March or February, whenever that was in 2020, it was at the tail end of flu season. So, so many people that mm. had flu could have had COVID. People that had COVID might have been told that they, you know, just have the flu. There was a lot of crisscross, I think, that was going on there. I don't know. That's what's so weird about this virus. They're expecting it to burn out in the spring. That's why they said, you know, they shut things down for a couple of weeks. And... They sent employers, employees home saying, we'll see you in two to three weeks. We'll be back in the office. Mm. And lo and behold, I've been working from home for two years now. And man, that's what's weird about it. It's like summer, summertime almost doesn't do anything to it. If anything, it heightens it. It heightens it. I got COVID in the summer. Mm-hmm. Strange. The state fair. Missouri oh. State Fair. Yeah. It could happen there. It seems to happen a lot at weddings and funerals. That's when that happens. I mean, it can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. I hear about people saying, I got it at a wedding. I got it at a funeral. I mean, of course, you can get it in church. You know. Well, I think there's one thing that has been pretty consistent throughout this whole these last two years is information comes out and they try to react, but they really don't know. And that's where I support what you're saying with the vaccine they've been studying it for only two years granted they've been studying it a ton they've i think they've tested and and researched this vaccine and how it affects people more so than any other vaccine in like the history of america but they've only been doing it for two years so normally a, a vaccine or a drug has to go through the fda for 10 years of testing so, yeah, like we don't know. We don't know. No, we don't. Five years from now, who knows what what the effect will have? Ten years from now, what if there's a big recall? That happens. That happened with the polio vaccine. They had a huge recall because children were dying. So they just don't know, and that's mm. why I'm I'm not on I'm I'm not on board Jesus with name with a lot of what has been mandated. Mm-hmm. So, well, Trump gave us the vaccine, so a lot of the. Right-wingers need to remember that. 
right? Yeah. The left, the left really didn't like it when he had, you know, really pushed it. Right. And then uh, there's a change in the presidency, yeah. and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, everybody needs. I got to keep reminding myself that. It was <laughs> Trump. Yeah, yeah they, got, they like got... flipped a switch and no longer were supporting Yeah. It. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm not anti-vax. I'm happy for, that it's available for people to get it. But yeah, you first. <laughs> the way and I've then... always told people is the vaccine is like a seatbelt. Mm. You really don't need your seatbelt until you're in a car accident. And a vaccine is the same way where you really don't need it. You may not need it until you come in contact with that. Mm. Yeah. As a, as a nurse, you know, I've seen, I've seen the effects of whooping cough on a, on a toddler and it's nasty mm. things that can be prevented through a vaccine. Yeah, we and I know had, there's we people had that, that done on the kids. Yeah. Whooping mm-hmm. cough. I know that. And I, I know that there's people who don't do it because of sensitivities or allergies or things like that. I, Honestly, I don't care what they do. You can, it's either it's for you or it's not for you. But what I'm against is mandating this. That's weird. Mandate. Sounds like two dudes, one guy buying the other guy flowers. <laughs> A mandate. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was talking to one guy in our church who got vaxxed. And I said, how do you feel? He goes, bro, I feel great. But I thought he would be so anti-vax. He goes, you know what, bro? He said, I got it for work. But he said, let me tell you what, when they would put it in my arm, something in me says, this isn't the vax. You're just getting saline. <laughs> he said, I didn't feel a thing. I felt great. <laughs> but then other people are dealing with inflammation. Oh, yeah. Some people are, are dealing with, they can't sleep at night. Other things are going wrong. So I thought, how, how, where can I go to just get some saline <laughs> stuck in me and get a card? <laughs> I think there's some NFL players that had some fake... Oops. Vaccination cards that are uh, currently serving suspensions. Mm, man, oh, what a mess! I uh, I can't say I've heard this from the spirit, but something in me, ever since the beginning of this, felt like it would last about four years. Like the um, terror of COVID nineteen and the. Uh, the regulations we would see, just all of the, the, the st- we'd have four years of, a, of state of emergency. I feel like we're midway through. Like four years, like a presidential term. I guess, yeah. How, how do you think about it, or do you think it's longer than this? You know, I think that as human beings, we are resilient. But I think that also, with where our society's gone, there's been a coddling of our minds. And I say our, I say just, I don't think it's just American society. I think it's a lot of people across the world, maybe in, in the de- all the, the developed nations. But they, there's like this coddling where like, we get these participation trophies for just showing up. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to do anything. And this might be around a about way. I'll cut to the chase. I think that I think that there's just a lot of reactionary things going on mm. in the way that I think our current our current society is just thriving off of the fear, thriving off of mm-hmm. off of the you're for it, you're against it. They're thriving off of the division, and 
um, the divisive, divisiveness of the topics. So I would love to think that it'll be four years that maybe there's the crisis. It might not, our, our, our way of living might not have changed, but we might not, I would think that we won't be living our lives like we're in crisis, like we did in 2020, 2021. Mm. We might have just acclimated to this being new, the new norm of dealing with viruses on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And seeing people in the cars next to us driving by themselves and wearing masks. Oh. That just might be that the norm. so weird when I see that. Yeah. There's been, there's been sicknesses that have come and ravaged nations all throughout history. And sure. People rise above and they just start coping. They start acclimating to the new norm. Mm-hmm. So... I would love to I would love to 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 hear that this is just a four year thing and and I can see it totally just working itself out through people acclimating and if that's what happens fine but it would be awesome if it was just four years of virus and then all of a sudden it just poof it's gone Yeah, I don't think it'll be gone. It'll no. always be there but it won't feel like a state of emergency. Right. Like when did, when did influenza, the flu is influenza, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Just a shortened term. When did influenza come to America? Ooh. I don't know. I mean, it's. It's a Google question. It's been around for a long time. Yes. And I'm sure it probably was wiping people out. Oh, yeah. Especially when you get stomach influenza. Oh. That's, I get that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've gotten it every year for years. Ever since I got COVID, I haven't had it. What does it do to you? Dehydrates you. Dehydrates you, yeah. You got to keep drinking fluids. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth, man. I'll drink like three gallons a day. It seems like a, a watering Gatorade and a ton of chicken soup. <laughs> soup is great when you're sick. It is great. Chicken so noodle soup. Sprite. Yes. Sprite is delicious. <laughs> My parents will be like, I'll pick you up some white soda. White soda? That <laughs> Whatever a, that is. Is that a Wisconsin term? It must be. It's, it's Sprite or 7-Up, either one. Mm. Yeah, I think we're, COVID-19 is going to become almost like the flu. You know, it's, it's horrible. You don't want it, but we haven't shut down the world because of the flu. We just keep on moving and going. People have gotten COVID and Is the flu politicized? It's not. No. No, it's all, yeah, it's not being forced on people either. No, it isn't. I get it. You know, we want to shut this thing down, but um, there's all kinds of different ideas like ivermectin. That's a good sounding southern word, ivermectin. Yeah, <laughs> ivermectin. Yeah, yeah, other, other medications like that. And, you know, there's just all kinds of things, but uh, I think for the most part, everybody's keeping a cool head as best as possible. You know, there's been a, you know, we sent out uh, religious exemptions for people at the church for members only. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started that uh, maybe like two months ago. I got baby brain. You lose track of time. And I'm finally getting uh, 
responses back from people. They're saying, hey, my company honored it. Wow. You know, they just, they don't believe in vaccines. You know, med- medicine can, you know, I'm allergic to penicillin. I can't take it. could kill me. But then there's other people that take it, save their life. Mm-hmm. Vaccine, some people, it's going to save their life. Some people, maybe not. Right. You know, we're in a deal like it's in the New Testament. Do you eat kosher or not? <laughs> Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Right. It's not what goes into the body that defiles it. It's what comes out. Yeah, I came to grips that as a nurse, I have so many, you can only work in so many different areas as a nurse and not be in a hospital or a clinic. There's very few options outside of that. And so I had come to peace that if I was forced to get the immunization, I'd just speak the name of Jesus over that Mm. as I'm getting injected with it. And hopefully it'd just be saline. Saline. (laughs) Not a bunch of mercury or whatever they say is in there. Oof. Lord have mercy. Yeah, but it's uh it's an unusual time. And but uh everything's been okay. And we just had a baby in, in the middle of all this. You did too. Well yeah, yeah it, right, right in the wake of it. Yeah, Rosemary was born in March two thousand twenty. Yeah. You know, and I, I our church is uh building a new addition, remodeling places in the building. People are encouraged. People are excited about church. There's some people that are high risk that are still engaging online. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been in and out of a couple of hospitals here and there. And hospitals seem to be functioning full operation. Traffic is happening again. Gas prices aren't down like they used to be. <laughs> They're up. Mm-hmm. Everything's more expensive. I haven't seen a shortage of food. You know, there was good rains this year. Crops were good. Mm-hmm. All the uh, storage ships, cargo ships that were on the West Coast, they're gone. I think they sailed down to Florida and came, got in the country that way. Oh, really? I think that's what I think wow. I read. So things are moving forward. Yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to be okay, but... If you're going to go somewhere, wear your seatbelt. <laughs> yes, wear your seatbelt just in case. Wear it just in case. Let the world crash love take it. Let the world come crashing down. Let the world crash love take it. Love can take a little. You know, I think I think it'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little music. Dude, how could I forget, man? I wanna, let's talk some bands. Let's talk some fallen chains and some uh jars of clay. Yeah. What was your go to band? High school. Uh DC Talk. You know, bro, um, DC Talk was the first. I real I I got there. This would have been 1991, 1992. I was about nine or ten. Their album "New Thing" came out. Very hip hop. 
you know, and that was a, a 90s sound. Mm-hmm. But I, I, truthfully, I never really, like, loved hip-hop. But then, you know, rock started really taking over. Grunge yeah. sound, alternative sound. And uh, Audio Adrenaline came out, and they were more kind of like a country rock sort of pop sounding but they were catchy the dc talk but then jesus freak came out which was more rock driven so dc talk and audio adrenaline but as the 90s kind of kept progressing pfr i loved pfr Mm. jars of clay it's funny how the the music has evolved i remember I remember having the Jars of Clay album, that first one, and it was my dad's. Like, he, he had gotten it. That one where it's, like, really dark green and there's a small little square of them there and they like yeah. all got long hair? Yeah, really I remember thinking when I put that in at the old Christian bookstore to listen to that, it would be some headbanging music, but no, it was, like, violins. and <laughs> It was a good album, though. Well, this is love like the, song for a savior. Yeah, well, worlds I mean, apart. There, there was some, there was a driving. There's some driving acoustic on there, yeah. but I remember my dad. Uh, <laughs> I remember listening to this CD. My dad was like, "I'm not sure that I'm not sure it's gonna be." He wasn't sure about it, like when we first listened to it. That was just like the state of of where like music was in church church culture. He's like, "I'm not sure." I'm not sure I'm going to let you listen to this or not. And we ended up, there's never any issues, obviously, with that music. But I just remember that. Mm-hmm. And then Stephen Curtis Chapman, one of his, one of his uh, awesome. albums that came out, I think it was Deeper. I think that might have been the name of it. I remember Heaven in the Real World. Okay. This 93, must been, 94. This must have been after that. Um, this, but I remember this album had some electric guitar, some screaming guitar on it. <laughs> and my parents were like, "Ooh, we might have made a mistake with mm. this with this CD." Uh, now look at like what what passes yeah. Christian music some with some bands. But I I love music and I love yeah I love how it's evolved. Yeah, it has. Who are your go to Christian bands? Oh, Reliant K, Switchfoot. Oh yeah, those are two of my staples. Now you're talking 2002, 2003. Oh, and that. Well, they're still around. They're yeah. Still around, yeah. But like... In the, yeah. High school for me was 01 to 05. So Reliant K was huge. Okay. Switchfoot I saw multiple times. Got to meet them. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're really cool guys to talk to. Yeah. It kind of got a punk sound to it. Reliant K, yes. Yeah. And I love, I love so. punk. Yeah. MXPX. Very punk. Yes. They had a catchy sound. But yeah, all that was an escape for me. A very safe escape for me. You know, 90s, early 2000s. But I'll tell you where I really like a sound that has stuck with me. Because I don't listen to DC Talk anymore. I haven't heard New Thing or Jesus Freak or Free at Last or any of that forever. I, I, I haven't. Um... Don't even listen to PFR anymore. Don't even listen to Jars of Clay anymore. No, no MXPX, none of that. But I tell you who I listened to were these, these two bands that came out in the late 90s. One called Spoken and one called Blindside. 
Yeah, I they know. were the if you could put them in a genre post grunge and just uh, straight up headbanging rock and roll. <laughs> and it was a sound that I just fell in love with. Mm. Is it worship music? No. Is it prayer music? No. <laughs> Is it pot smoking music? No. It's not. Is it fornication music? No. But it is, um, I don't know, music that uh, is angry with a positive message. I'll leave it at that. And I may or may not use that sound for my bumper music for this podcast. That sound, it's there. Yeah, it's stayed with me. That was... My routine, my routine before going in and having to take an exam in college, is get some metal going. Exactly. Get you amped up for the it's motivating. Yeah. Get you amped up for the for the exam. Yeah. Get the mind moving. People ask me that. Why do you use rock in your show? And people think I'm supposed to have like Stephen Curtis Chapman <laughs> praise and worship music. And I tell them I'm like, well, you know, is podcast church. I don't want it to feel like church. And I talk about things we talk about in church, God, Bible, and church. That's the you know, three foundational pieces of my content. But I wanted it to feel like a podcast. And when I sat down you know, and started looking at bumper music, there was a lot of options there. Yeah, jazz, which I love jazz. It's a good feeling. But jazz is relaxing. I, I like country music. There's some good country stuff out there. But that, to me didn't sound catchy enough. It didn't work with my voice and my attitude. And then you have rap, which I think when rap was invented, they forgot to add the C in the beginning. <laughs> and and now nah, there's actually catchy rap out there. But rap to me sounds like prison music. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, just, I, you know, there's people out there that love it and that's fine. But it, rock is motivating. It is. I want people to feel motivated when they listen to this, you know, to, to be something. You know, before you work out, what do you listen to? Rock. I love it. Exams, test, job interview. Yeah. Sales call, whatever. Getting you psyched up for the, yeah. for the podcast. Yeah. And, yeah. All, all of that. It's funny. Like, I meet Pentecostal ladies. That are like middle aged and up saying, I love that music. Oh, it's so awesome. I can't believe it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I got closet metal heads oh. in, in Pentecost. <laughs> so Yeah, That's man. Awesome. We yeah, we grew up in a in the beginnings of all that when Christian music went from like Steve Green, like the stained glass window hymnal stuff to uh never gonna be as big as Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. Glad so, to have grown up in this time period. Yeah. Well, you got, well, man, you made a contribution to it with your band, Falling Chains. Yes. Yeah. Falling Chains. We started that band back, we were in high school, so it was around 2005. I think it was my senior year. And we played for about six years. And across those six years, about 75 shows or something like that. That's great. Youth Congress. Yeah. Youth camps. That's how I met my wife. 
So absolutely, I met Marissa in two thousand nine. So yes, is that the year? It would have been two thousand nine. Because we all stayed in the same cabin there at Missouri Youth Camp. Right. I think that was actually the year before. 2010 is when I came back and met Marissa. 2009 was when I met you, though. You guys came two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Wow. Missouri Youth That's Camp coming two back years to me in now. a row. But you guys came, you came, you and, you came around Gateway, though, when I was there, right? Um, I think you came to Preview Weekend. 2005. I think that's when I first met you. Yes. I remember that concert. We, I remember, shout out to Joe Campbell and yeah. uh, David, my brother, yeah. Roger. Joe fell off the back of the stage at that concert oh. while, during the, while he was playing. I hear some sour <laughs> notes coming out and I look over and he's not even on the stage. He's, he had tripped and fell off the back of the stage. Well, rock is supposed to be dangerous. It is. It's very dangerous. <laughs> it's supposed to be dangerous. <laughs> it's not dangerous anymore. Everybody has their phones out. Everybody's safe. Ugh. But I went and saw DC Talk, and you know it was dangerous. It it, it got a little audio adrenaline, felt a little dangerous. I saw Switchfoot, Jars of Clay, not very dangerous. I never got to see Blindside or Spoken, although they were in town. I just I don't know. A lot of that music, I like the way it sounds, but I don't like the way it looks. Mm. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there. It's a sound thing for me. The live environment is always different. Yeah. And Falling Chains was epic, man. Jean Skirt Girl. That was the that was the ticket. That was our one hit wonder. Mm-hmm. We always joke that that movie, that thing you do with Tom Hanks in it. That was based, great movie. That was based off of our our story. <laughs> one hit wonder. The rise and fall of a yeah. of a band. You guys created something that kids really looked forward to. Oh, we loved it. It was yeah. it was an opportunity to connect with youth in a different way that not a whole lot of people had the opportunity to do. Tons of people wanting to form a band. That's such a hard thing. It's to get hard. a band going, have a chemistry, and then have an opportunity to play in venues. And thankfully, youth rallies, youth camps, youth conventions, youth congress, things like that, were the perfect environment to invite in uh, a band to come and play during like either we, the, the nice thing is we could do both. We could be part of the service as worship and then we could, you know, be done and we could lead the worship. Mm-hmm. We could play the music for a worship set, but then afterwards we could also play a, a concert that would entertain, you know, the people. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's good, clean entertainment. Yes, we didn't. We didn't ever cause any. I was. I was asking some of the guys, wondering if we ever destroyed anything, and thankfully we couldn't come up with anything that we destroyed uh, on purpose. No, but, it was always in very good taste and oh, very appropriate. Yeah, man, I remember at Missouri Youth Camp. We were doing the. Uh, it was after church, doing the fireside thing. They had you guys out there, and you sang that audio adrenaline song. You guys covered it. Uh, uh, Ocean Floor. Yeah, great song. You know, man, that song touched my heart. And, you know, I'd heard Audio Adrenaline do it. When you guys did it, I, I don't know, it was just touching. And it, I felt, I don't know, I looked around, a lot of us all felt forgiven. Mm. Such a great message in that one. Mm. I love that message. What other so- songs did you guys cover? 
we covered so we covered music from Cutlass, some Switchfoot. I don't know if you remember a band called The Swift. We covered their music. Uh, we we tried to incorporate songs that were popular at the time. So mm-hmm. I do remember we played a few a few Reliant K, a few Switchfoot, um, and some Cutlass. There might have been a. I'm trying to think of the name of that band now. It's just escaping me. They got the the girl drummer and the girl guitarist, and then the the guy lead singer is the bass player. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about uh, Skillet. Skillet, we dude. We played some of their softer They're stuff. They're catchy, man. Um, we always tried to incorporate songs that people would be able to identify with our own, you know, originals. Um, people usually they want to go to a concert where they recognize the music, so we. We would, we would play some of our originals, but we'd focus on the music mm-hmm. that, that people would identify and yeah. be able to recognize. What were some of your other hits? You got Jean Skirt Girl. So we, we wrote a song. We wrote songs based off of youth, like the theme of youth camps and youth conventions. We had a song called Drive, which was about yes. being driven. Uh, Drive, you can dance. Yeah. We did. So, yeah. We drive. A lot of them were based off of that. So we had a song called "Heroes," which is you know, uh, the the story behind that was just a lot of times these kids are in a public high school. There's nobody else that does what they do, acts like they do, dresses like they do. But you know, they were their heroes, and 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 the respect that uh, they're living a life that's that's pleasing to God. That's you know, uh. There being a light in a dark place. That song. Amen. Um, that song was pretty popular. Uh, Cover Me was a song about the blood of Jesus, you know, covering the past, covering, covering sin. That was the album song that we did when we released our, mm. our, our, our album. Fallen Chains was another song that we, we wrote, acoustic-driven kind of ballad. Uh, we had some very it's all talented, coming back to me now, man. Very talented. Yeah. Joe Campbell played piano. He played guitar. He played a acoustic. He had that big green uh, Les Paul, right? He did, yes. Dude. Yeah, it was blue. The word it was, it was blue. and looked it, green. It spent a lot of time in some smoky bars before he got uh. a hold of it. And <laughs> all the smoke had stained it like a, like a aqua green color. you had a really, uh, really retro relic. P bass. Yes. Crimson red. It's a beautiful bass. Yep. P bass is all through and through and from me. Fender. Dave back there looking like Ringo Starr. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dave's a phenomenal drummer. He is. We're he wasn't the original drummer in the band. Really? Yeah. So when I met <sighs> I met Joe Campbell at a youth camp, and honestly, when I like met him, I thought he was a little special needs. <laughs> <laughs> Because he, it's, I know he's going to yeah. listen to this, but he'll probably recall this story too. I come up, I come up to the volleyball courts getting ready to play some sand volleyball and he's rolling around in the sand doing like flips and somersaults. Well, anyways, somehow we became friends, good friends. And we had a third friend who was our drummer. And I don't even remember what happened, but the drummer worked his way out of the scene and David just happened to be a drummer. and so. We called ourselves the Mutual Admiration Society at the beginning. 
<laughs> and then we got a we got a new drummer, and that was the end of that. So Fallen Chains, that was the name that we went with, and uh, I yeah. loved it. So many great. It's a great name to describe what you were—a good sound, a good name for that era. Mm-hmm. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, we were really indebted to the Missouri District. They invited us three or four times. Yeah, Chuck Carr was instrumental in that. So we appreciate, we love and appreciate him. He may or may not like rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we got to play yeah. Youth Congress three times and multiple holiday youth conventions mm-hmm. and youth camps. Yes, it was, it was a lot of fun. Not everybody gets the chance to do that, and I'm glad we got to. Yeah, you did a tour and everything. Went to a lot of places singing a lot of great music. Yeah. You know, that song, Jean Skirt Girl, really empowered in a good way Pentecostal girls you know made them feel very um, confident that was our goal that was our goal we wanted to acknowledge them and encourage them at Youth Congress we brought hundreds of pink t-shirts that said I'm the girl in the jean skirt to sell we had not even played we just had a booth set up these pink t-shirts and we were sold out before we even had played for Youth Congress, like in the North American Talent sh- Search. And so when, when they, after we had played, there was kind of a mass rush to our booth. People wanted to check out the, the music and, and the T-shirts. And we were pretty much sold out of these pink T-shirts that said, I'm the girl in the jean skirt before, yeah, before we even shirt. played. It was so funny. Yeah. You know, at your wedding, Dad was up there, you know, making his comments. And I remember him talking about the Jean Skirt Girls song, and man, the Holy Ghost manifested on the platform. I remember, I'm feeling it right now. Mm. Now, the Holy Ghost loves modesty. You know, in a world now where modesty is looked down upon and it says expose yourself, you know, but rather we would rather expose women, Pentecostal women would rather expose their dignity. You know, so that was a, <clears throat> it was a way to communicate the message of holiness without a, a preacher up there in a suit and tie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, but a way to communicate it through Christian rock. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, my epic brother. Thanks Dan for Badger. having me. Yeah, man. Thank you. Trying to find you.